0: Fantasy football. Anybody? Anybody got a fantasy football team this year? Um, how many of you, okay, who, I just uh, we don't do hand-raising a lot, but this is fine. Who's got a fantasy team this year? Anybody? Okay, you're my people. Okay, keep your hand up if you have more than one team. Yeah, okay, I had self-control this year, so I only have two teams right now. <laughs> Uh, If you don't get fantasy football, maybe you kind of know what it is. Maybe you're like, I don't even get it. Let me just give you like an idea of what fantasy football is all about. Basically, there's real-life football players who get paid money to play professional football. And then there's scrubs like me who will never play any professional sport. And so fantasy sports is a way for us to kind of be engaged. And so in fantasy football, at the beginning of the season, you draft a team. And you can literally pick teams from all over the NFL, and they become your virtual team, and you become their manager. And so you have a quarterback from one team, and maybe your defense is from another team, and wide receivers and running backs from different teams those are football positions and so they're on your fantasy football team and in the real world they score points by maybe how many yards they run or how many touchdowns they score or how many you know interceptions they have or whatever how many field goals they kick and so in the real world they earn points but on the fantasy app uh, it's uh, it's it's basically like Dungeons and Dragons for, for jocks. It's like, it's not real life, but it feels like real life. And so you earn points, and, uh, and, and, and then you compete against other people who manage fantasy football teams, and it's, it's a league. It's a lot of fun. Um, now, here's the deal. It is very popular. Last year, uh, over 40 million people had management over a fantasy football team. 40 million people. That's a lot. We throw around words like million and billion a lot in our culture, and I think that we've lost feeling of like what's a million I don't even I can't even point to what a million looks like 40 million people managed fantasy football teams last year and in 2021 from the best I can tell from some like studies I did I think it was Forbes magazine or somebody put out this study they said that fantasy football generated last year 2021 an estimated 8.88 billion dollars I'm not making any of that. I don't know where the money goes, but it is generating some cash, okay? And so it's a big deal in our culture. Fantasy football players, there's been some other studies because it's such a phenomenon in culture. Uh, how much time do people spend on these teams and in this thing? So fantasy football players, on average, they say, people spend an estimated 6.9 hours per week on their team. Now, I'm in leagues with people that I'm sure spend zero time on their team, and I, I appreciate you. Um, but some of them are worse than that. <laughs> it, is, it is said that some avid players admit to spending sometimes as much as five hours per day on their team. And some of this is happening at work. In fact, 96% of people admit to working on their fantasy football team while they're on the clock at work. Now raise your hand. Just kidding. Don't do it. Okay, so like the majority, 96% of fantasy football owners are like managing their teams at work. And the newest stat that I can find, uh, this came from 2015, so I'm sure it's higher now, is that, uh, that I, I think this is just in America, employers lost over $9 million in productivity because of their employees working on their fantasy football team at work. Okay, football, it's a big deal. Uh, right now, my good buddy Paul, who is an avid fan of a team in Washington, they can't decide what their name is. Um, this year they have a new name, but he right now is wearing a Dallas Cowboys hat uh, because of a game that happened last week where the Dallas Cowboys won and the Washington team lost. And, and that. Paul, you're a good man. Um, he even said he would be right here for that moment, so you can be dismissed now. <laughs> uh, it's a big deal. It, it consumes our co- culture. It's, it's unbelievable, though, that football is such a big deal. Think about what it is. This is grown men in spandex running around in a field tackling each other for like three hours, and we pack stadiums to watch that mess, right? It can pay your way through college to play this game. It's unbelievable. It changes the layout of cities and people's entire schedules. It's unbelievable. But the truth is, though it's unbelievable, it's undeniable. It's everywhere. Even if you hate football, right now, you're like, all I can think about is how much I wish football season was over. Right? (laughs) Yes. It's everywhere, right? And so we used to live in Greenville, North Carolina, my family, and uh, home of the East Carolina Pirates Purple. There's a couple in there, okay. And uh, we loved loved our pirates while we were there and it was unbelievable what the city would do on game day. I mean, just shut down. Like, you wanna go to the grocery store on game day? Forget about it. Like, you are not going anywhere. Whole places are like, our whole store exists for parking now and stores in Greenville, we were there last weekend and uh, you know the facade of buildings are just purple and gold and Petey the pirate is everywhere. Uh, It's it's unbelievable, but it's undeniable. Why do I say all this? I think, first of all, the reason I open up a sermon talking about fantasy football and football is because, let's be honest, it is hard to pay attention in church. And it's very helpful when the, when the preacher throws us a bone and talks about something that we care to listen to. So, you're welcome. There's that. But the other thing is this. Football is, and, and many sports are this way, football expresses in us something that we deeply desire. Uh, we don't want to just be fans of things. I mean, I like to be a fan of my favorite football team and I like to watch stuff on TV, but I want to feel involved. I want to feel, feel actively present in the moment. That's why I yell at my TV. I don't think that Coach McCarthy can hear me, right? But I will yell at him the whole game and I will cheer all my players all the way from here in Wilmington, even though they're playing across the country, because I want to participate. Fantasy football is that way as well. We feel active participation in a league that has nothing to do with you. Really, you're just making a bunch of people rich. But we want to be active in things. We want to participate in things. We don't want to just be fans. And I want to start with that mentality because that is the church. And we have an opportunity to be active participants in what God is doing in this world. And I think that's one reason when we are in a healthy place with God, in a healthy place with his church, when we get passionate about things like a trunk or treat. Like the kids really need candy, more candy. Like there's, it's a national institution that we're already going to give them candy. <laughs> Why does a church need to gather together to, to level on kids in foster care through a trunk or treats? because I want to do something. I want to be involved in that. We want to participate. And so we're kicking off today a, a series that we're calling Above and beyond. And you might have noticed that uh, we've gone a little bit above and beyond in how we have branded for this series. We do a different sermon series every four to six weeks anyway. Um, but I got a t-shirt, um, you know, because it was time for a new church t-shirt anyway. We've got a couple extra, by the way, if uh, we ordered more, if you want to get one, they're available. Um, because this is, we have talked about even a lot of the subjects we're going to cover in this series. We talked about them. There's there's a, a fairly small list of things that we cycle through in Christian learning that we need to know about. And a lot of those things are going to be contained in this teaching series. But the reason this series, I think, needs to be different is because it needs to be about that rally cry that we get involved. That we'd be actively uh, participating in what God's doing in the world. For nine years, our church has been a mobile church. We have set up and tear down for nine years everything that we do and you many of you most of you are painfully aware of that i mean we were here at seven o'clock this morning turning this gymnasium into a place where we could all sit down and hear some music, and the kids could have a place back there, and there's coffee in here. After this, we're going to clean it all up, and we're going to do it all again next week. And it's been a crazy journey. And we have been that scrappy new upstart uh, in town, and it's been kind of cool to get to talk about it like that. Yeah, we're a new church in town, we're doing these things. Uh, But we've had to beg, borrow, and barter to do stuff anywhere, right? We've used so many different places. We've been in this place, we've been, you know, in public parks, we've used other churches, facilities, we've met in a school for a while, we met at a movie theater for a we were once displaced by a fire late on a saturday night so we showed up on a sunday morning like oh i guess the fire trucks are not going to let us in today and so like as much as that is cool and it's an adventure and it's fun let me be honest it's exhausting amen yeah right now here's the thing i wouldn't have have, I, i would not trade the last nine years for anything i really i mean that i would not trade the last nine years because of what it's taught me about the church what it's taught me about our god what it's taught me about community It's been a different way of doing church for me. I grew up in church. We didn't ever do this, right? But it's also taught me one of the most important lessons about our church, that no matter where we meet, it's not about where we meet. It's about who we're meeting for and who we're meeting with. It's about whose we are. It's about why we're meeting. It's not about the where. We just finished up a sermon series called Together We Are. And if you know this, say it with me, that together we are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. And so we spend a lot of time talking about that. The whole point of that was just to say, listen, we are about a mentality. We are about a- a- an idea that says God loves us and we need to uh, live in that grace and we need to help share that with the world. That's who we are. It doesn't matter where we meet, but men, when we move to this new space that's going to come up in a few weeks, we did something in the spring. You might not know this. I think most of you do, but in case you don't. In the spring, we did something crazy. We bought our first building. And it's right up here on Darlington Avenue. It's about a half a mile from here. We really wanted to place nearby this area of town so that we could minister to some of the same people and have some of the same vision and culture. And we spent the whole summer pouring blood, sweat, and tears into this new facility. And uh, there's a lot of work left to be done. we got some volunteer hours still available. And so please, if, if, if you want to get involved with some of that stuff, talk to, talk to me about it. Talk to anybody that was up here on the stage. We'll point you to somebody. Um, But what I want to make sure that we do, and that's not just me, it comes from our our, our elders and our staff team and all of our leaders among our church, is that we need to move into this place with a, a good mentality. If you've ever gone on a long run or worked hard in the yard and then you had that moment where you finally sat down on your couch after the shower with the sweet tea and you're just like, whew, I'm done. There's no room for that in this world when it comes to the kingdom of God advancing. We don't get to just move over to Darlington Avenue and kick up our feet and say, we made it. I've had people tell me that are in established churches that have buildings, like, oh, it's about time you made it. You made it. I'm like, no. We're, we're, there's no making it. Like, we're here already. We're in the kingdom. And our goal, our purpose is, and this is the thing we've been saying all year. I love this phrase. I stole it from somebody else. But so that God's kingdom can be on earth as it, in, as it is in heaven, which is Jesus' desire, what we do is everywhere we go, we take pockets of heaven with us because of God's Holy Spirit living inside of people and because of the things that he does to transform our lives. So if you're at work or if you're at play or if you're driving your car down the road, you should be transformed. You should be different. And people should be drawn to that because you're bringing pockets of heaven with you everywhere we go. So guess where we're taking a pocket of heaven? 76 Darlington Avenue. And so above and beyond is this rally cry that yes, it's going to be a sermon series. Yes, it's on a t-shirt. But even for several months after we get into the building, maybe for the next year after that, we want to continue to be that type of people. Let me tell you the passage that it comes from. uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 is this mentality. The Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus, and he's actually getting him to pray through a lot of things. And he wants to give credit where credit's due. And so when he says this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So it's that phrase: He, he through him, is able to do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. Above and beyond. When you think that you're uh, doing great things for God, it's it's good, it's true. But what's crazy, is that God says, "Man, through my power, you can do more than I could." You could ever ask or imagine you can't even dream the dreams that i have and so this above and beyond concept says let's not settle for mediocrity let's not settle for kicking up our feet let's not settle for just you know hey this is the next thing let's just kind of move in now let's let's light a fire we've come out of this pandemic right and i think it's like only recently have i felt like wait things are getting a little bit normal again or whatever is in your life that has felt like slammed on the brakes for you As a church family, let's light a fire. And let's be a type of people who are an above and beyond people. We're going to spend more time kind of unpacking that Ephesians passage uh, throughout the next few weeks. But what I want to do this morning is I want to spend some time in the time we have left in two other passages in Scripture. Every single week we go to God's Word uh, to just understand the most important truths that He has for us. And so if you've got a Bible this morning, uh, I encourage you to open it up to the book of 1 Peter, first of all. If you don't have one with you couple of things one it'll be on the screen two look it up on your phone that's totally fine or three we got free bibles we give away every week over here on the shelf by the door no shame if you want to get up now and go grab one or just grab one before you leave today uh you can keep it it can be your bible to have write your name in the front cover or you can just borrow it for the service and put it back but we're going to be in the book of first peter chapter 2 verse 5 and and, and in first peter they're in a context uh, where peter is writing to a group of christians and they're going through a time of really rough persecution it's rough Uh, in the time that Peter's writing into and he wants to make sure that they understand their role and their purpose as the church where they are. And He's gonna unpack the first of two metaphors that we're gonna look at today as we talk about what it means to be above and beyond because each week we're gonna look at uh, an area in our life where we can be above and beyond. This week we are above and beyond a place. It's not about this place it's about so much more. Let's read this together. 1 Peter chapter 2 starting at verse 5 we're jumping right in the middle of a thought he's got here. He says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And let's unpack that just a little bit. We have talked about this passage, I don't know, a dozen times on a Sunday morning in the last nine years. It's one of my favorite scriptures, and so I'll go to it a lot. Um, But this this image that I have in my mind when I see this passage has not lost its potency, so I want to put it before you again. Can we go back to the first half of that verse? You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house uh, to be a holy priesthood. So that's that's enough of a, a, a snapshot. And this is the image I want you to have into your mind. Have you ever seen someone form a human pyramid? bunch of cheerleaders at a football game, maybe a bunch of frat boys who've had one too many beverages. Like, I don't know. They're trying to stack up people, right? And, and you take, take five dudes, ladies, whatever. They're on their hands and knees. They're in a row. And then you get like maybe three. And they kind of center themselves on top of the backs of the other people. And then you have maybe two and then one. And the whole idea of the human pyramid is a stack of people, right? And uh, kind of cool, actually. You think about it. Like, if we tried to do that here right now, I think a lot of you would decline the offer. I think you're like, I'm not interested in trying that. And this is why. Because in the human pyramid, uh, th- there's, this imagery, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. This is the instruction to the church that Peter is writing to and the church that he's writing to in us today. Uh, they used to call themselves, not the church, which has a long and storied history, why do we say church? The common thing the church would call themselves is the gathering, or the assembly. The, the Greek word they used was the ecclesia. If you ever see a Spanish church it'll say iglesia underneath it and that's the same cognate of the same or not yeah of the word ecclesia iglesia and so uh, the whole idea is the assembly the gathering so I have a friend in Africa who is a missionary I think he's been here 30 or 35 40 years maybe and they don't refer to their, their bodies as churches they say the assemblies so it'll be like the assembly at Wilmington the assembly at so-and-so's house and so I like that because it kind of puts into mentality that it's not about a place it's not about a building It's about the people that gather there. And they knew that it wasn't about the event and it wasn't about uh, the, the, the structure they were in. But it was about the ecclesia, the ecclesia, the assembly, the gathering. And Peter tells them this. Listen, when you're together, you are like living stones. We're surrounded by concrete in this room. These are concrete blocks and they make up the walls of this building. And in a very real way. When the body of Christ gathers, when we come together, we are like stones stacked one on top of the other to create an environment. For what? He says you're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. In the Old Testament times, this is you know, before the time of Jesus and even during the time of Jesus, the Jews would come to a place called the temple. And in that place, they would have a, a select group of individuals called the priesthood. And the priests were responsible for overseeing people's worship and making sure that not only that they did everything kind of the right way, but also that they communicated to the people messages from God. A priest is someone who kind of stands as liaison between God and mankind. And so I've got a a mind-blowing proposition for you today. That if you call Jesus your Lord, you are a priest. Biblically speaking, that's what this passage is saying. And you know what priesthood are for? They're there to oversee worship and to help facilitate worship. And I love what it says. Let's go to that second half of the, the, the verse here. It says, you are a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we can unpack that for a really long time because we have a job to do. There should be no spectators or fantasy owners in the church We're in a position where we get to come as liaison to human beings and say, hey, let me help you offer that spiritual sacrifice that's acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let me come, let me bear that burden with you. Let me say a prayer with you. Let me come alongside you in this struggling part of your life. Let me help you with a physical need. Let me come to you to help you get to a place where you can give glory and honor to God. Both people outside of the church, people who wouldn't call themselves believers, and yes, inside the church, people who would call themselves believers. It's a crazy metaphor, and so I want to put some more skin on it. So you're a house, okay? Congratulations. You're a brick. You're a house. But there's another metaphor that might hold more weight with you. Uh, This is from Romans chapter 12. And uh, we're going to move from the analogy of the the building to an analogy of a, a body. Often we call ourselves the body of Christ. And so this is from Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 4. And the apostle Paul is talking now, and he's going through Romans chapter 12 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible in, in my life. I've just seen what God can, can do and transform your mind and, and really work through you to make you the person that he's called you to be. But as you hit chapter 4, he wants you to know that it's not all about you. <laughs> it's not all about you. It's actually about this body that you're a part of. Starting at verse 4. It says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. you got fingers and toes and eyes and ears, right? you got lots of members to your body, but they don't have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Or if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And there are lots of places in Scripture where the Apostle Paul specifically makes these lists of things that uh, you can do in the body of Christ. Administration is one of them. and Hospitality is one of them. And and there's a good chance that there are more today, like having the ability to manage uh, marketing or online presence. Like I believe that's a gift that probably wasn't mentioned in Scripture because there was no internet, right? But like there are different things and skills and talents that God's Holy Spirit can come alongside with you and amplify, I think actually many times, endow you with like I know people who really weren't good with—I uh, don't know—let's say public speaking—and then they come to Jesus, they find a passion, and all of a sudden they're like, "I can do this now." The nerves are not there, or maybe the nerves are still there, but I find that I have a skill. And so, uh, on occasion, He'll gift you with something that you didn't even have before, or other times He will amplify something to, that you're already good at. And as a person with a different skill and a different gift and a different passion, Paul uses this analogy of a body. In another place, he talks about a body, and he's like, "Listen." If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? Not to mention that would be pretty creepy. Like all you can do is look at stuff and I hope somebody signs up to be eyelids because we really need eyelids, right? Like every part of your body, uh, it complements one another and they work together. Hopefully this afternoon, many of you are gonna do a a great American pastime and you're gonna lay on your couch and you're gonna turn on uh, Fox or CBS you're going to watch a football game. And I'm going back to the football analogy because it, it works. But when you, when you watch a game, I mean, you're going to see some 300-pound linemen that are blocking or trying to rush the passer. You're going to see someone with a good arm and some good thinking skills, and they're going to be passing the ball. You're going to see people that are really fast and they can bust through a line and run them ball you're gonna see tall skinny lanky guys are gonna be running out trying to catch the ball or trying to swat a ball down that somebody else is trying to catch you're gonna have like a hundred fifty pound soccer player okay and he's really he can kick a ball a mile and I don't know how he got on the team with everybody else but only one guy can kick it through those uprights and they can win games they can lose games (laughs) and they can win games and so like without each person on that team like the unit doesn't function if the whole football team were kickers well that wouldn't be very much fun But we need a kicker. And in addition to the kickers, you also need the coaching staff and the training staff and the referees and the scorekeeper and the person that carries the water and that person that wraps everybody's feet in that stretchy tape. Like, you need all of that to make the team function. And I think that when we look at the church, we've got to realize you, 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 have a role to play. And we tend to outsource our faith by saying, listen, uh, we, we got a preacher. Like, he's in charge of uh, the faith part. And uh, so we're just going and listen to him and I honestly I can say I don't think that that's the mentality of most of you I think that you actually do a really good job serving but I think that as a whole sometimes that's the impression that we have as our faith we can outsource the important stuff and then the rest of it doesn't matter but it all matters I am NOT good at working with preschool students I will get them in trouble (laughs) but praise the Lord that there are people right there with our kids right now helping them learn that Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so God loves you. You're beautiful. Do good things. Every part of the body of Christ matters. And so just a question that I have for you today is what is, what is your role? What is your role in the body? Let me start here. Okay. In this place, I want to say you're a person who says, I don't know if I have a role in the body of Christ. I want you to know that's a very good place to be. (laughs) Awareness is more than half of the battle. Um, what does it mean to be in the body? There, there is a, a moment where in your life you can look at who you are and understand your position with God and say, I need, I need God in my life. I want to briefly share with you the most important message of the church. And, and I'm not rushing through it. I talk about it every week. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more when we do communion later. But do you know that God loves you so much that he came into this world as a human? We call that human Jesus. But that's God in the flesh. And he gave his life for you so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you could be reunited with God. That's, that's the nutshell story. It's so much deeper than that. It's beautiful. But you might be in a place this morning where you've never accepted that grace gift. And so what I want to invite you to do is to consider accepting that gift from God. When we look at scripture, when people accept Jesus in their life, they, they come to a, a moment of realization and then they say, what do I need to do next? And so there's this beautiful like, moment of dying to your old self and rising to walk as a new person in, in something we call baptism. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus and been baptized into his name. We're taught in scripture that in those, those moments, God begins to partner with your soul again. He comes and takes up residence inside of you. It's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. You receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of his Holy Spirit, and he can start to guide you. His spirit is called the comforter, the advocate, the teacher, the guide. And so maybe you don't feel like you have a place in the body. is because maybe you haven't accepted a place in the body. And I want you to know, one, that's that's acceptable right now. That's fine. You're in a journey, and we're all in different places in that journey. But I want you to know, I want nothing more for you than to join that body. God wants nothing more for you than to join that body. And so if you've got questions about that, if you'd like to make that decision today, we're going to have a moment later where you can do that. And I want you to think about that. Talk with the person that you came in here with, or just make a note, like, be brave. (laughs) Have this conversation. So maybe you need to find that place in the body. But if, if you've already made that decision, you're in, okay? You're in the body, but uh, I don't know about you, but I've had parts of my body that don't serve me very well. Uh, you know, and you know, it's just like, oh, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not very strong in that area. And so maybe you just need to be encouraged. This above and beyond mentality. We have a God who's above and beyond. Ephesians 2, 22, says that he would be able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine. But he also calls us to live that type of life. The phrase I've been using with a friend of mine recently is that, I think he's calling us to step up, to step up. Don't be mediocre in the way that you serve your God. Step up. Don't be lazy in the way that you attend the assembly. Step up. Take initiative in how that you're raising your children, not just because I want them to be good people, but because I want them to honor God with their life, and that's the, If there's anything my kids learn from me, is that they need to be God-honoring individuals. But that might take some stepping up from you. It might take you canceling some subscriptions you have to stuff that's wasting your time. It may take from you that you spend less time doing things that pull you away from God, that hurt your relationship with God. It might take you building some disciplines that get you into that place. But I want to encourage you to step up. I want you to ask yourself, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? What do I enjoy what do I constantly think about? What resources do I have? Like, when, like if someone defined you and was going to make like a documentary about your life, what would be the top five things they would always talk about? And then ask yourself, how do I use those things passionately to build the kingdom of God in my corner of the world? Step up. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. Like you can do it generally. And I'm going to give you permission to do it two ways, if, as if it's up to me to give you permission for anything. But uh, generally, you can step up. And it's great to step up at work, to step up at home, to step up in uh, a lot of a lot of ways that was just you and God. I think a lot of times we're guilty, especially in this more lackadaisical culture, and we don't like a lot of pomp and circumstance and people telling us what to do. We say, you know what, I, I don't really need I don't really need all this church stuff, people and all that to serve God. I do that on my own. And the number of times I hear people in Wilmington say, you know, the beach is my church. Well that's impossible because the church is an assembly of people. <laughs> The beach can't be your church. The beach is a beautiful place, and you can experience God there, and you can certainly worship him there. But the beach cannot be your church. Your beautiful patio cannot be your church. K-Love or Life 90.5 cannot be your church. Your church is your people, the ecclesia, the assembly. So one, I would encourage you to step up generally in your faith, but I want to encourage you to step up in your involvement in, in your church family. And that's going to look a lot different f- for everybody. Like, everyone has different gifts, different parts of their body, right? Because, guys, as we, as we make this move to Darlington, if we're a church family who is just showing up on Sundays for a, a presentation of some kind, a keynote speaker, a well-executed band moment, these guys were tight today. It was great. They did a song this morning they didn't even know what they were going to do. That was great. It'll pass, you know? But if that's what we're here for... That's missing the point. And so I want to ask you, like, do some soul searching. What does it mean for you to step up in your involvement in this local church body? As we move that way, I'm going to tell you this, and you're going to hear more and more about this in the next few weeks, but, man, there are a lot of kids in that neighborhood. I believe it's something like 400 kids elementary age in, in just the street that we live on. Uh, there's a good chance we're going to encounter those kids if we're intentional about it. Right now, we can hardly staff our kids' classes that we have right now. Uh, it's just a reality. I'm not stepping on toes or fussing. I'm just saying <laughs> it's where we are, and so it's going to take some of us who aren't good with kids <laughs> to go in there and 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 spend some time with. That's just an example. It's anecdotal because I don't think it's just about staffing like. Putting stuff together on Sunday and all that. That's, that's, that's one. I believe that our church, maybe the greatest gift collectively that we give to our city is this service. Because what else are we doing collectively? This is what we do collectively. We do a lot of things individually and in smaller groups, but like this is what we do together. What does it mean for you? And maybe start some of that now. Like saying, man, is, is there a way I could get involved and help teaching somebody? Uh, Joe Cartwright was up here a few weeks ago, and, and Joe has recently kind of taken on the leadership of our, our groups, like our helping people getting to relationships where they can grow in God and there's a great type of group that we have called a micro group a micro group is three to five people who meet together weekly and they have a very simple goal they want to uh, be accountable to one another pray together and grow in their faith accountability prayer and grow in your faith now the cool thing is it doesn't matter how deep you are in your relationship with God right now you can do all three of those things you can be brand new at this you can be like a scholar like academic PhD Christian and and you can still grow in your faith and pray and be accountable to somebody and so maybe that's an area you need to step up. You're like, I just need to, I don't know, I need to grow some. And what that's going to take is you being bold and reaching out to somebody and say, hey, would you want to get in one of these groups with me? Because they're kind of self-started. They're the, the little short instruction cards are in those little pamphlet things in your chairs. There's some more stuff at, at the back table at the connection hub that can get you started. Maybe that's where you need to step up. Maybe you can just say, yeah, I've never done a trunk at Trunk or Treat. i want to try a trunk. We love kids. Let's just see what this is all about. I don't know. I can't tell you what your part in the body is, but I, I do know this. Occasionally, parts of our body are hurting. I want to take a second as I'm about to wrap up here and just say, it might be hard for you to do some of these things because maybe like in football or anything, the body gets hurt. Um, I, man, I, I turned 40 in January, uh, and I'll be 41 this coming January, and I'm going to tell you, all the stuff y'all were telling me about 40, it's true. Um, and I did something crazy this week. Um, I woke up well, last Friday uh, with uh, vertigo. we have vertigo before? It's the worst. And I'm going to tell you how I did it. I was being an, a complete idiot. Um, I was laying in bed in the morning, and then I sat up. Yep, that's what did it. <laughs> that's what did it. Um, and then I, it was the worst, like, five hours of my life after that. And I'm just like, what's going on? And so... Uh, I've been hurt, I've, I've, I've broken bones, some of you were present when I dislocated my shoulder doing uh, kickball, because I live on the edge guys, I sit up, I play kickball, and uh, healing takes time, right, and I think sometimes within the church we forget that people are hurting. You might be in a place right now where you're, you're like, I, I come because this is the closest I can get to being active in the body, but sometimes um, the reason I know that my shoulder sore is because it tells me. And maybe you just need to speak up. I'm sorry if someone didn't notice. But maybe you can let somebody know that you're hurting. Or maybe we need to be more observant and be looking and say, man, what's going on in their life? Um, Because I think sometimes as a church we forget that we're also a bit of a hospital for people's souls. And I'll tell you what uh, hurt body parts need. They need physical therapy. (laughs) Uh, I dislocated my shoulder terribly. I'm sorry, Carly. She had to be very close to me when I did it. (laughs) She's She's like, I'll never forget. Your arm was in the wrong place. But watch this. Yeah, Um, but it began with baby steps of me trying to get my arm 10 degrees off my leg and it took well over a year and a half to have full mobility and that's a metaphor guys. we need to be a place where people can heal and maybe one of the places that you can serve in the body is be an intentional uh, physician or really taking people to the great physician to Jesus where you're bringing people in you're letting them know hey we see your brokenness and I want to take you to the one who can fix it Now, the fact that the church is a worldwide phenomenon and has been for over 2,000 years, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, but it's undeniable. Broken marriages are healed. Addictions are beaten. People who have no family find a place to belong. People who are ruined find a new start. And that's what we exist to do because we are more than a place. And as the body... I love this This is the last passage of scripture I'll share with, with us today in Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 we learned that though we're all part of a body we are not in charge. We have a great head and the head of the body, the church, oh sorry, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Colossians chapter 1 starting at verse 15 and all the way through this passage are talking about Jesus. And so if you need to be reminded about who you serve and what whose body you're a part of, I want to encourage you to open up Colossians chapter one, starting in verse 15, and just read about the amazing head that we have in Jesus, who brings the healing, who brings the fresh start, who gives us purpose. Guys, I'm so proud to call you my church family. And what's happening through our church is so exciting right now. But we serve a God who can go above and beyond any of that. And so as we get closer to this move, as we go through this series, I want to challenge you. I have a specific challenge for you that I want to put in all of our hearts. One, One that you will identify your role in the body. Generally and then specifically. Number two, how can you step up to go above and beyond in your role? This is something you're going to want to spend some time praying about, talking about. But guys, we're in this together. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do abundantly more than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And what are you asking? What are you imagining? Our God is able to take it beyond that, above that. Let's do this together. Let me pray for you this morning.